Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hansen. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. My name is Jamie Barnes. I'm an exercise physiologist at the Sports Injury Clinic, and once again, Pippa Hansen has entrusted me with her (laughs) podcast for another episode. Pippa is the CEO at the Sports Injury Clinic. Pip, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Fun again. <laughs> Today we're exactly right. Today we're discussing the topic of leadership, which is quite a diverse topic and can be applied in a number of different settings in professional and, and sporting settings, as well as, you know, just everyday life as well. So let's start with the with some broad strokes. How would you define leadership, Pip? Yeah, I think, look, the leadership is the action of leading a group of people or an organization. So in a direction. Um, it's a process of social influence, uh, maximises the efforts of others towards the achievement of a goal. So as you've just said, whether that's a business organisation or a sports team, um, parenthood, you know, it's it's very broad. Well, like you said, it's very broad. So let's try and get into the weeds a little bit. Can anyone be a leader or does it take a particular personality type? Yeah, look, I think at any given time um, anyone can be in a leadership position. As we've just said, you know, a parent, a teacher, a sports coach, um, an organisation to a group, even charity events, someone most of the time is leading in in any of those roles. So you could be a teacher but not the principal. So a principal leads the school but a teacher leads the children. So I think um, anyone can be a leader However, I'm not saying that every person in this position is doing a good job in their leadership role and I think that's the, um, you know, leaders can have a huge impact on the people they're leading, both positive and negative. So talking about a, a good leader versus maybe not such a good leader, what what skills does a good leader require and what does good leadership look like to you? Yeah, I think good leadership is is bringing people along uh, with you on a journey. Um there are some jobs where that might not be the case and you may have to just be quite dictated, dictatory. Um, however, I think in a lot of life and a lot of organisations, it is about taking people along with you. Um, I've seen both sports coaches and teachers absolutely lift kids up but also, on, other, on the other hand, destroy them at the drop of a hat through poor leadership um, I've worked in workplaces that have shown, and we'll talk about some of the things that you don't want to have, lack of support, poor communication, lack of empathy, misuse of power. Um, you know, sometimes people in that leadership role just behave so poorly because of the title they have. Um, and I think what we need to look at is there are leaders across all levels, as we've as we've just said, and some of the good qualities would be your emotional intelligence and your self-awareness of yourself. Um, being able to reflect on on the way you're behaving and what you're expecting of other people. Um, absolutely communication. You know, it's easy to have the easy conversations and, and having the hard conversations are just as important because good communication lets everyone understand what's going on and, and on the same page. And that even let's go back to sport level. So that good communication might be 
that if you don't train, you actually can't be, you can't start on the ground or the netball court or whatever it is and, and hold to that. And sometimes I think the really good players get away with not having to train and still getting court time because they're good. And it can happen in workplaces as well. One of the common things that came up in your answer just then was communication. Can you talk a little bit more about leadership and, and communication and what effect communication can have positive and negative on the people that you're leading? Yeah, I think when you're leading communication, everyone needs to know what direction you're going. So if it's a work organisation, even break it down to departments, everyone needs to know what the expectations are, what the goals of the area are, the the department or the overall workplace. If it's a sports team, you know, what's the, what are we thriving for? Are we thriving to win, which we all like to win? Or at the junior levels, are we thriving to make sure every child has a go and has the opportunity to learn and develop and be fostered and and have the opportunity to try different positions? Um, and so communication is is huge in making sure the message is is known, understood, and accepted um, by everyone involved. I think the understanding is a very important aspect of leadership as well. If you're working in a team environment and everyone's working towards a common goal, having having everyone understand why you're making certain decisions and where you're going with those decisions helps increase the buy-in from the rest of the team and I guess it increases your ability to be able to lead people when they understand why you're leading them in a certain way as well. Yeah, and if you if everyone understands um, I suppose what the rule book is in in your workplace or your sports club or your charity organisation, then the hard conversations are much easier to have because there were expectations set from the very beginning. Absolutely. Would you say that having everyone on the same page and sort of understanding a journey or a, a, a mission or a, a, an objective that you're following as a team helps sort of create leaders within that um, within that same team. So so as an example, you know, if, um, if, if you've sort of set out, this is what the expectations are, this is how we're going to get there, making sure you've got the team buy-in, to me that can, that can make leaders out of the people that are working underneath you or working with you, I should say, because they're, um, they're able to sort of carry those values and, and I guess hold each other accountable to, to those values as well. Yeah, I do. And especially if, if in that leadership role you're giving others the space to fill that space and not trying to take it all on yourself. So even, a you know, we, go, we, we use sport and work because I think they are really interchangeable, but you might have a coach and they're, they're the key coach, but there's some things you're trying to achieve and all of a sudden you've got some players that are stepping up and helping to run drills or um, even things like helping to organise that you've got scorers and things. That's buy-in and that's wanting to make sure that the team as a whole is successful and it's a really good culture that's been um, developed because of that good communication by that leader and letting other people into that space. And it's exactly the same in the workplace um, as you can't do it all at the top, you know, to to have a really um, cohesive workplace, you've got to allow others to be part of that and step up and and not try and do everything. But the communication is what is what really keeps that all going together. Absolutely. And we spoke about communication, we spoke about feedback as it relates to working as a team. 
what about more on an, on an individual level and, and how does a leader need to be versatile in their communication for dealing with different individuals within their team? Yeah, really important because everyone is different and there is no one way or right way to um, speak to everyone. So everyone's got a different personality, everyone's got a different background, a different upbringing, um, different lengths of time in either an organisation or or another area of their life. So if you're brand new and you've done something in the workplace, well, you need to be educated and communicated with on what you've done wrong maybe or you haven't followed a process. But if you've been there 10 years and you're doing it, well, the conversation is probably going to be slightly different about just being, not when I say blunt, but a bit more just to the point of, oh, this has occurred, can you explain why? Um, and And... Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it can be very context driven is what you're saying, you know, around someone's experience or what, what the expectations of that person are. Yeah. And their age, like you, you know, I'm sure you, you've been involved in sports clubs, you've been involved in workplaces and you've dealt with different ages and um, you do speak to people differently if they've different ages. Um, Yeah. Yep. So speaking of different styles of communication. There's also different styles of leadership. Um, are you happy to talk through what the different styles of of leadership is are? Yeah, look, there are, and there are so many different styles of leadership, you know, from being very um, domineering to um, being more inclusive and, and lots and lots in between. And I do think that there are some organisations um, – that probably need more of a uh, this is the way it's happening and this is the way we're doing it and that could be places like the armed forces and things um, of that nature. Um, but then in other organisations, the the working together to set the strategy and, and then filtering that down and working together and, as I said, giving people the ability to step in and be part of that and... Um, make some decisions and and show what they can do. So, yeah, I think there's certainly – there are many different styles of um, leadership and I think people over time find their own niche and whether that's um, the right one in the right organisation soon shows its head. <laughs> I think you touched on before about delegating and yeah. I think I've, I've found in my experience that – giving responsibility to people that you're working with as a leader can then bring out leadership qualities in people that you may not have otherwise realised that they had or they may have been sort of sitting on and you can you can often sort of find leaders within that process of of delegating responsibility and, and those sort of things as well. Yeah, true. And sometimes if you lose someone, you worry about how you're going to fill that role and that across life, you know. And But when there becomes a vacancy – all of a sudden someone appears from the woodwork, but they wouldn't have stepped up if that person had still been there. Um, So I think opportunities arise for both of those reasons, yeah. So you touched on at the start of the episode, I'm sorry for going off the show sheet as well, by the way. At the start of the episode we spoke about leadership in different contexts, so a work context and then, you know, like a a social or a home context. Um, You're a mum, you're also a CEO. What does leadership look like to you? on a day-to-day basis between those two roles? 
Yeah, I think as the kids have grown, so they're not, you know, this business has been around 19 years and the kids were, well, two were born after we started. So when they were smaller, it certainly would have been about we're doing it this way and, um, well, that was my style. I know they're okay. So they're, even there, there you go, you just got me. Because even in parenting there's different styles, isn't there, where you can have a very direct, well, I'm the parent, so this is the way we're doing it, um, to, well, how would you like to do it and um, and really trying to give your child the opportunity to explore that. So even in even with little kids it can be different. But my style as they're older probably aligns more with work of just – including them. They've got their own personalities, they've got their own experiences, um, you know, their own education and I probably don't treat them much differently to how I would in the workplace of, of inclusiveness and, and bringing them along for uh, whatever the family's up to and trying to be involved in. Yep. I think going back to the, the parenting side of things, that your leadership style could probably change within the same day <laughs> when it comes to, <laughs> to children as well. I know our three-year-old has certainly challenged my leadership styles a yeah. little bit over the last couple of months. And, yeah, sometimes, you know, there is a bit more of a um, of a, you know in, involvement with them in terms of decision-making and those sort of things. And yeah. other days you just need to probably be a little bit more of that authoritarian yeah, type sure. uh, leader. And even more recently, like my kids do, you know, they're all teenagers or young adults and they do get um, – they get to choose what they do. You know, we go to the football, do they want to come to the football or we're doing this. But there are some that I think come from our values and if it's family events, then it's just an underlying knowing that they'll be coming to it, a birthday or a, um anniversary, you know, a grandparent's anniversary dinner or cousin's birthday. There's just sort of this unknown, I suppose, culture that we've built in our family that that's just a no-go zone, you have to come. Um, and then there's some which are like, I'm involved in a couple of other um, organisations and there was an event recently and I actually just really wanted the kids to be a part of it um, and they didn't want to come because they had other things on. And I said at the end of the day, you're coming, this is actually really important to me and, and I want you to come. And you know what, they probably still could have turned around. They are all, well, one's under 18, the other two are over 18. They they could have said, stuff you, I'm not coming, but they ended up coming because I actually told them how important it was for me for them to attend and, and they attended. And I think so is your parenting style, but that's also sometimes how, how we talk in the workplace. You know, these things, are, these are the values in the culture of the workplace and these things are important. So there's some non-negotiables sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So talking about different leadership styles, do you think there are some styles that are just generally better than others or do you think it's more of a context thing dependent on sort of workplace or setting I think the leadership style, if you want to give them names, there can be all different leadership styles and they can all be good in the right workplace or organisation. I think what we come back to is is your, if you're making people feel unvalued and um, showing no empathy and continually criticising their work, I think the social elements are probably what undoes um, a leader more than the style. But you could say some of those attributes are, are part of those styles. Um, yeah. So you, in saying that, you would sort of suggest that relationships are a pretty pretty big driver of being a good leader but also sort of getting buy-in from the people that you're working with? Yeah, yeah. And then, look, and that's, you know, I'm sure that you could have someone else sitting here and, and they may have a, a stronger view on on the way I'm approaching it. But I've worked in government and I've worked in private um, company like we are now and 
at the end of the day, those that I've, it's been good to have had poor experiences in both. Well, in, because I've taken those and went, I will never be that type of leader. And so having experienced some of those things growing up and in my early workforce, um, it's it's been good because it's shaped me and said, I, that's not the type of style of leader I ever want to be. I think that's a, a really interesting point and a good one to make because similarly, you know, in my career so far where I've been practising as an EP for 10 years, I've certainly worked under certain styles of leadership where I've thought that's not the type of leader I want to work for and it's not yeah. the type of leader I ever want to be if I'm in the position of leadership. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's important to allow people to experience that um, different ends of the scale when it comes to sort of the leadership that they're either working with or working under mm. and sort of help that to shape them into what they might be moving forward. I've worked for male and female um, leaders or managers and they've both shaped who I am. Um, but interestingly, I spoke to um, Linda, who's one of our head physios. She's only ever worked for female bosses in her whole, even when she worked at, I think she worked at Safeway or Woolworths or something growing up, but even in her teenage years, you know, she's only ever worked for females. So it's interesting. I mean, she went into health, so quite often there's a lot more females in, in this sort of space in physio. Um, but, uh, yeah, and neither of the, neither male or female have shaped. It's more been about the way that they've, you know, the emotional intelligence they've had, the way they've carried themselves, the um, the expectation that they wouldn't ask you to do something that they wouldn't do them, this yourself. So they're more of the qualities than than the person. So like a lead by example type yeah. um, leadership as opposed to sort of a do as I say, yeah. not as I do type thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So in your in your professional experience, you touched on before about having worked in a couple of different settings and, and how that has allowed you to grow yourself as a leader. What are some of the qualities that you've been exposed to in the time that you've been working across these settings that have helped shape the leader that you are today? I think I've had, um, yeah, I've, I've have mostly been very fortunate. Um, people with good communication skills, people who have been able to be harsh when they've needed to be harsh, but in a way that said, come on, we know what the expectations are and, not degrading um, but just making sure you get back on board. And, and it's probably talking about early 20s for that type of stuff when when you just need to be educated in your early workforce and, and you can still people can still have half, harsh conversations with you but then they're almost like done and dusted as long as you've got the message. Um, but it's still been respectfully done. Um, and... People that have actually also enjoyed their their work, you know, it's really good to work for someone that enjoys what they do as well, because it just it makes a great workplace, and you love turning up to work with those people. Yep, absolutely. You mentioned again communication. That just seems to be the recurring theme of this podcast: is how effective versus ineffective communication can be such a, a driver of effective leadership or ineffective leadership. Really, yeah, and it's interesting because the. Um, Physio and EP department, which I'm pretty sure you were a part of a little while ago, did a shoot on communication with clients and how important it is for – so at any given time when any of the health practitioners have got clients, 
you're the leader at that particular point in time and effective communication can really affect the way someone recovers and the way they felt when they leave your room and the way that they go home and either buy into the exercises they need to do or don't need to do or have faith that you can actually deliver and get them better. And so it is no different. Communication in all aspects of life, we know it for our personal lives, we know it for our work lives and we know it if we're involved in sporting clubs. It's just paramount that we can have the easy conversations um, but intelligent conversations as well, not just, uh, and I say emotional intelligence, you know, um, and and have the hard conversations but respectfully. Absolutely. And it's a, I mean, it's a very broad topic, so, you know, it's hard to encapsulate it all in a, in a 20 or 25-minute episode, but um, I think you've covered off some, on some really good talking points there. So what take-home messages would you have if you're, if you know, we've got a listener who's potentially an aspiring leader or is already in a position of leadership? What are some, what are some take-home points from today's podcast? Definitely look to the people that you – um, aspire to be like and that you can resonate with, uh, male or female. Um, and you can, you know, there's lots of books on um, leadership and leadership styles, but there's some really good ones on emotional intelligence and actually understanding your own um, self-awareness of how you behave, respond, react. Um, you, you need to be able to control those things in yourself. You need to know how to not go from a zero to a hundred anger because something's happened and actually just be able to sit back and reflect on it, look at it, act on it in a, um, intelligent way. So just do some work on yourself and, and try and push yourself to have, start with some, some hopefully really easy ones. But when I say, but start to try and have some hard conversations, um, yeah. And, and get the success of building and building on them because really at the end of the day, once you've had them, they are actually not that hard a conversation to have. So, yeah, so emotional intelligence, work on your communication and um, really understand yourself. I think the self-awareness is a really big one and probably humility as well in the sense that if you're in a position of leadership and you have been for a period of time, you're constantly evolving yeah. as a leader yeah. um, and as a as a person, as a, your ability to interact with other people as well. And I think – confiding in other people in similar positions can be really good as well because their experiences may be different to yours and they may have strategies that you hadn't otherwise thought of that may help you deal with a particular scenario as well. So in my own personal position of leadership, I I really enjoy talking to other leaders and um, drawing on their experiences and some of their strategies to help me become a better leader in my role as well. I found that very valuable. Yeah, and that's almost like a mentoring thing, isn't it, which can yep. go both ways. You can actually learn, you can be a mentor and be and learning from that person at the same time. It's the old saying, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, so. and I think the other one that we probably didn't touch on, when you, when you said humility, it, it um, sort of popped into my head, but vulnerability um, as a leader I think can be really important and not that you want to show – everything to everyone because that may not look that good. But I think if there's some really, if there's some things that you need to say or do, then you just need to let yourself be vulnerable sometimes. And for me, the first time I probably really did that was when COVID hit. And I know we've tried not to have podcasts that talk about COVID, but um, it was, we all know how terrible that was. And I had to stand before the group and, and be vulnerable and say, or show my vulnerability and say, I have no idea what's going on. And I don't know how we're going to fix this or how we're going to be around in another month's time or two months' time. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is at that particular point in time when I had no control of show 
my vulnerability. But I think as a leader, sometimes you actually do need to show a little bit of, you know, be vulnerable and let people know that you're human still at the same time. Mm. And as someone who was in that meeting as well, I, I think I appreciated that from from you as a leader too because there was no – I mean, everyone was uncertain at the time. There was no facade that it's all going to be okay, your jobs are all safe type thing. It was it was very much a, like you said, a moment of vulnerability. But what it – probably what I took out of it was that we were all in it together at the time and I think I just – I think most people in the room or everyone in the room would have appreciated that that sort of sense of vulnerability and that that feeling of togetherness that we're all going through something that no one knew what to what to expect or what was going to happen but what we did know was that we're all in it as a team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah that definitely resonated as well. Yeah, thank you. Any last dot points before we finish up? No, I think I'm done. I really um, admire all the good leaders out there across workplaces, sporting clubs, charity groups. It you know, makes the world a better place. Lovely. Pippa Hansen, thank you very much for being on your own podcast again. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've, I appreciate you giving me the keys once more. Thank you. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.